I am dealing with is a listener-supported podcast. We at I Dealing With appreciate your listening support. If you are finding great value from this content, please consider clicking our monthly supporter link as we are striving to bring you the best content available both now and in the future. If you happen to be interested in collaborating together, have a topic or idea that needs to be discussed, feel free to reach out to us at I'm dealing with at gmail.com. We will respond to you within 24 hours. I'm dealing with wants to make sure that you are provided the best response time, suggestion requests, and customer service. We also want you to know that your privacy, comments, and concerns are important to us. Thank you in advance, your host, and I'm dealing with. This is I'm Dealing With. I'm your host, Sean Bowden. I thank you in advance for listening as we dive through discussions that we men deal with on a daily basis. Strap in, hold on, and here we go. reach I am dealing with well in our previous broadcast we talked about the discovery that was episode number two episode number three dealt with uh, safety no excuse me the discovery is episode number yeah two yeah so yeah check out the discovery we talked about another episode dealing with safety which is very important and then the previous episode, uh, just recently, matter of fact, on Friday, that was launched. That episode, oh man, that was an episode. And it was called, Shh, Don't Tell. And in that episode, it's dealing with a lot of people who are dealing with issues, would love to talk about them, but they're worried that when they speak about those issues, they don't want anybody to tell about those things. So in that issue, that issue, we talked about a lot of things that we go back. We kind of recap on the discovery. We go back into the kindergarten years and that discovery. And shh, don't tell. We discuss and talk about the first, second grade years of how we go through these things and find out that there's always somebody in our life who helps us change and see things for the better. In this episode, we're talking about the topic of the curb. The curb. You know, I would love to entitle it well, The Curb was the case that they gave me <laughs> but anyway the curb and uh i won't talk about the earlier years but what i will talk about i will go back into the time in the 90s the 90s and this is why i want to talk about the curb because in each one of our lives we're going to have a curb we're going to have a curb 
And what do we know about the curb? The curb tells us, it usually separates the street, the uh, the roadway or the bicycle lane from the sidewalk, from your walking space. So it's really a barrier or a distinction of separation, a distinction of separation. And if we were really to be truthful, many of us, we do like distinctions and separations in the things that we do. We like a distinction and separation between the people we love versus the people we like, uh, the people we tolerate versus the people we want to slap sometimes. Um, it just, let's just be honest. It's just the truth. I mean, there are always somebody in our lives that there's a distinction. There's a distinct distinction between the money that you spend and the money you save, the money that you give versus the money you want to use on that new toy, the the shoes you allow somebody to borrow versus the shoes you don't want nobody to touch versus the shoes that never leave that shoe box. There is a distinction. And we find out that in life there's distinctions between you as a person and sometimes your job title or your calling or your gifting. Uh, yeah, I'm a mechanic, but I'm also a photographer. So there is a distinction. There is a separation between the two. You don't go in your photography business acting like a mechanic. You don't go into your mechanic business acting like a photographer. There is a very clear distinction between the two. And that's just what it is. And in this curb, there, man, it's tough because it's amazing how you go through life and you find that there are situations that put you in a curb, uh, uh, a, a curb, a, a curbish problem, if you want to call it that, a curbish problem. I mean, it's, it's just like that. I mean, you look at right now, even in the climate that we're at, we're looking at the safety and the social distancing and everything that's happened. The people that used to go to work and have that fellowship, that camaraderie with their coworkers and the shaking of the hands and go huddle around the office area or the desk area eating donuts and having coffee and talking about what happened last night and the game or the USC event or a girls night out or what they did over the weekend with their families at Disneyland or whatever that is this whole climate has changed man man and I mean not just man as in male, but man as in humanity. This whole climate has changed all of us to where it has given, it's pretty much dropped the curb on all of us. Not a curve with a V, but a curb, C-U-R-B, a curb. It has caused there to be a serious distinction in what was versus now what is. It's caused many businesses to operate differently. I've watched even uh, houses of worship do things differently. Some were on YouTube for, you know, for whatever that is. But many of them now, that is their only platform now, just YouTube and some doing Facebook live stream now and 
some of the other media outlets. Some are starting podcasts now in order to get the message and to encourage people out there. It's it's not the same because you're not coming to a place to now worship. Now you're watching it from home on your TV all the time now. And you're not going to the beach to play. You're not going to the park to play basketball anymore. Many people are turning to social media. They're turning to YouTube. They're turning to Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and uh, a couple other uh, media mainstreams, LinkedIn and Twitter, to reach out, to connect. They're looking at Xbox games now. Many, many people are playing more online gaming now on the Xbox or the PlayStation or maybe PC gaming. But what it's doing is is uh, giving you a very clear distinction between work life for some people and family life now. Because many people are not even working anymore because businesses have closed down completely. Not even working from home, but have completely closed down. And for some of you out there that are not working, this has really put many of you against the curb and you're like man you know what do I do now then there are some that are working from home but it's changed some love it because you know it's great I don't have to drive anymore no more 45 minute one-way commutes I can save my gas but then there are others that are like man I'm this is cool staying home but all these kids in the house is killing me and I when I want to go to work, that's kind of my outlet to go to work and talk to some of my coworkers because it keeps me away from the screaming and yelling and the kids being needy and this and this and grandkids. So it is a curb for everybody. It's putting everybody up against the curb. And the reason why I chose this because, as I stated earlier, it took me back to the 90s, basically 1990. And during 1990, I was, how should you say, derailed. <clears throat> really derailed. So, excuse me for a second. For those that don't know me, I came from, I mean, talked about family in my earlier years, but now I want to move forward a little bit. My first car was a 72 Plymouth Duster. That was my first car. Now, for some of you, Maybe that was not your first car. You Maybe you had a, a Gremlin, a Pacer, a Cadillac. Uh, some of you was Infinity. Some had a Lexus the first time out. But my car was known as, uh, it was a 72 Plymouth Duster, and they called it the Booming Bucket. And the reason why it was called the Booming Bucket was because in those days and times, you're 18 years old driving a 72 Plymouth Duster in the early 90s. While everybody else had the Nissan Sentra, uh, they had a the Nissan pickup trucks, but that was kind of between the 80s, late, uh, mid 80s and 90s. Lowered the hard bodies, the Toyota trucks that were lowered. And here I am with a, a 72 Plymouth Duster. So everybody looked at it as the bucket. But the reason why they called it a booming bucket, because it was a bucket, but... No one had my sound system at all. 
So I had dual 15-inch Terminators in the truck. Now, if you guys remember back in the days, for you men that were into sound systems and quality, I remember there was a company called MCM. You know, those were the days of, remember the old school Rockford Fosgate, uh, Alpha Sonic, PPI, Precision Power. Uh, let's keep on going. Zapco, uh, Soundstream. This is when these companies were great. Uh, man, Autotech. Oh, my God. Autotech amplifiers. So, but yeah, but I was running the MTX Terminators, dual 15s in this a trunk in a box that I designed. And I mean, it was loud, loud, but it was deep. There was no rattling, and that could be heard for blocks away. Now, for that time, that's just what that was. It was called the booming bucket, that's what they called it. So many of my friends, one guy had a glass house. Uh, that was my boy, too. He had a, uh, a glass house uh, vehicle. He had speakers in his car too but I would tear him up you know I used to do competitions and all that kind of stuff it was crazy but they would ask some of my buddies and say hey where where's your boy with the bucket he said the bucket you know your boy with the green car that that green you know the booming bucket they was like oh you mean Shawnee B yeah you're that guy you know so I was known for that they might not have known my name but they said the guy with the booming bucket. Well, over time, that car, I mean, I loved my bucket. I did. Two-door. The green paint wasn't that great. It didn't have any dents at it at the time. But the interior was immaculate. Black interior. Had a black vinyl top. You know, again, for those of you that know Duster, it's a two-door, kind of a coupish. You know, it did have back seats and it had a large trunk. It had a 318 automatic. And that thing, you step on the gas, it would, it would just spin the wheels. Nice car. But um, I got derailed at one point in time. I was at a function. I was hit by a drunk driver and I was T-boned. And he ran right into the driver's side door crushed the door in and I could have lost my life during that time the windows broke and all that ended up putting a new door on it even with the frame damage just on the driver's side on the door I still drove it so now not only is it a bucket it's now a bucket with frame damage on the driver's side door got a new door on it and that green door didn't match the green that was on the car need I go on it was just bad but I love, I still like my car. I didn't like the way it looked now, but I like my car. Right up until I went to put it in drive one day, or should I say reverse, and reverse decided not to work. And then I was moving forward. We had actually had to push it out of the parking space, put it in neutral, back it out that way, steer it on my own, and then get back in, turn the wheels, and then put it in drive so I can drive off. And then I went to park, and I parked forward because I knew my reverse wouldn't work. So I pulled into a parking space that had, you know, space in front, space in back. So I pulled all the way forward so that way when it's time for me to leave, I can just pull forward and leave. Well, this time, forward didn't work anymore. I'm like, oh, my God, man, now what am I going to do? 
So again, it was another bad deal. I'm like, man. So now I'm stranded. I had to call my father. And I haven't talked too much about my father, but my father was a mechanic slash service advisor for 30 some odd years. This guy, even to this day, if I called him and told him, hey, I'm having a problem. This doesn't sound like this sounds like this. He will go, well, based upon the cubic inch and such and such and the type of carburetor, the fuel injection that's on that, what should happen is this, this, this. And he would walk down the whole engine schematics and everything as if he built the engine, the car himself. I mean, through the phone. Until this day, he's just one of those guys. Brake jobs, I mean, tune-ups. You name it. I mean, he's an old school guy, Chrysler, Chevy, Ford, doesn't matter what it is. He just knows this stuff. So imagine me being a guy, being a son to a guy who knows his stuff. You just couldn't do anything, you know, you know, half doing it. You know, you just couldn't jury rig or whatever the case may be. You just couldn't, you know, uh, do some of these things. It just either you're going to do it all the way right or you're not going to do it, at least not in front of him. So I had to call him and say, hey, the car's not working. You know, and to him, you know, not everything was an emergency. So I was stranded for a while. Yeah, and he finally showed up and, well, what'd you do to the car? Did you do this? And what you need to do is, and what you need to do, oh, man, I, yeah, that's, I had that dad, what you need to do, dad. Man. So uh, we had to uh, call another guy and what they ended up doing. I think we, how we got it home. I think we roped it. I think we, uh, you know, you don't see too much of this anymore, but back in the days, boy, there was some stuff. We did a whole lot. I mean, if you think about the laws and regulations now, back in the days, we did some stuff. For instance, remember the days when, uh, I mean, maybe not everybody done it, but, but you remember the days when you rode in somebody's uh, truck in the back of somebody's truck? It'd be like five, six of you guys in the back of somebody's truck. And you didn't do that just like go down the street. You know, some of you rode all the way to the, the local municipal pool in this guy's truck, you know, and he dropped you off. Or how about, uh, I know, oh, no, for me and my family, we used to do, uh, we go to Fresno and then head up to uh, the Sierra Mountains. And we pack up all the trucks and, you know, in the vans and whatever. So many of us sometimes, we would, uh, you know, you know, cause they didn't net and tie down everything back in some of them days. Some of you guys remember that, but they didn't tie down and net and use ratchet and uh, and bars and things to hold things down back. Then. A lot of the things that held the items down in the back of the trucks was you. So many of us, we were right in the back of these trucks holding. Uh, man, I, I just crack up laughing because I mean, man, we were so unsafe. We'd sit on the, the rear hub, you know, sometimes that, that tire well in the bed of the truck. And we would lay on top of the stuff in the back of the truck to keep it, the rest, keep it from falling out. You were actually the weight <laughs> man. And we would ride for 30, 40, 50, 60 miles from the Fresno area heading up into the Sierra Mountains. I mean, there was a, we did a lot of, you know, stuff. But so um, we roped my car. I believe that's how we got it home. We roped it. So we took another car and they had this big old rope. They tied it to the back of the bumper of the, the one car that was going to pull me, tied it to 
the front bumper on my car and they pulled me. So you actually had to have somebody in the second car, which was me, you know, uh, having a car in neutral with the ignition on. So at least that way you could still turn the wheel, but you had no power steering. Yeah. Talking about janky setup. I mean, janky. I mean, for some people, shady, shady setup, but we got it home. So now I'm like, man, you know, now what? So got the car home and then parked it and it sat for like about a week at least. And the gentleman that helped me get home said, hey, if you find uh, another transmission, you know, we'll just swap out the transmission. But it needs to be the same type of transmission that's pretty much in your current car now. I'm like, ugh, you know. So my father being who he is, you know, you know, there's a saying that kind of talks about, you know, everybody in the neighborhood's car is working and working great, but the mechanics. So that was my dad. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, this was before Craigslist, before offer up, before close five and let go and some of these other, you know, apps we use now. So this was, uh, classifieds in the thrifty section. <laughs> I mean, penny saver wasn't even around then. And, uh, man, I tell you, um, I had to go in this thrifty section and I looked into the, the cars for sale uh, advertisement, the thrifty section. And I was looking for anything Chrysler with roughly a 318 and with the three-speed automatic, which is what I had with the, the 318 motor and the three-speed automatic for cheap, you know, because I really, I just want the transmission. I don't want the car. Didn't necessarily need the engine. I just wanted that, that transmission. So lo and behold, my father goes, hey, yeah, well, you know, I found a car. You should get this one. He only wants 500 bucks for it. I mean, you know, do you have the money? Of course it's, see, my parents, unless it was an emergency, they didn't come out of the pocket for Jack. You had to do it yourself. So whether you had a job and you took your lunch money and saved up and just didn't eat lunch and you made your own lunch and you kept the lunch money, or you went and washed cars, you cut grass, uh, you raked leaves, you found ways to make your own money. That was how we had to do everything in our family. I can't speak for anybody else's, but for those of you who know that you came up from that lifestyle, I mean, we hated it then, but I appreciate it now because the new generation thinks everybody owes them something. So, yeah, I'm like, oh, man, you know, he's like, yeah, you got $500. Yeah, we can go get that puppy right now. I'm like, in my mind, I was like, why are you trying to spend my money? I mean, I'm trying to, I think I built up some money to do what I want to do. And my first priority at this time was not coming off of $500 to go replace a transmission. I just, and even still, the guy wanted $500, but I'm like, but so I still got to put it in. And then my father's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm not putting it in. I'm like, what? what kind of drama garbage was that so we had a guy a gentleman his last name was gradney very awesome mechanic he was even better than my father in certain areas uh, one of the things this guy specialized in was transmissions i mean he he'd roll up to your house with a cherry picker and and and, and just do it now my father came from uh, and 
so let me kind of backtrack deal with my father. My father, uh, so let me give you an idea who who my father is. So I'm going to tell you a quick story. This, this is an awesome story. I crack up to this day every time I think about it. So one of the things we're having a discussion, uh, my, myself and my father, and this is in my my younger days. I think it was like in my 20s or something like that, mid-20s. And my father and I were having a discussion, you know, and he always talked about what I was doing in my cars and what you need to be doing. Again, <laughs> what you need to be doing. So that was our discussion. So, and I was telling him something where I did something that was pretty embarrassing. And he was kind of cracking up. He said, and he finally opened up and said something to me that I just died. I mean, I cried laughing. He said, well, you know, I used to do all my work. You know, and one of the stories he told me about was, you know, he didn't have a cherry picker one down. So he would, one time, so he would break the engine down as much as he could. He'd pull, he'd uh, hold the engine from the bottom using some type of jack uh, and then he break the engine down the whole top half and then he snatched the block out I'm like what the heck? but if you saw my father's arms these papa forearms that he had I, that's one dude I would not want even to this day again I'm a buck away from 50 and I still wouldn't want my father to hit me that's just what that is that's that Mike Tyson uh, you know you wake up 20 years later type of hit you know what I'm saying so, but he told me about this story. He said, yeah, son, that, yeah. wow, that was pretty embarrassing that you did that. I'm talking about my story. And he said, well, when I was your, when I was your age one time, son, I had just got through building this new engine transmission. I had it hooked up to whatever he said, rear end, and axle, blah, blah, blah. It was just crazy. You know, he gets in the specs. I just go, I just go, womp, 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 womp. But anyway, he says, and I get to the stoplight, and I'm, the light's red, and I'm sitting at the corner. He goes, son, and I see these ladies on the corner. He goes, and they was looking so good, and they was kind of looking over at me. And I was like, what? And he was like, oh, yeah, and they was kind of looking over at me. He was, I felt kind of good. He said, so I thought to myself, let me rev this thing up and let them know what I got. So he started revving, whoom, 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 you know, just started revving up his stuff like crazy. And then the ladies are looking at smiling, kind of giggling at him, you know, give him, you know, that nice little eye. And then the light turned green. He stuck that thing. I'm not sure if he put it in drive for or whatever he did. And he stomped on it. Then he goes, man, he goes, son, and my, my rear end was spinning, smoking up the tires. He goes, and then as it starts hooking up, he goes, and next thing you know, I was coasting. I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, the light's green. Next thing you know, I'm coasting across the signal light. He goes, and now I'm trying to figure out how come I have no more momentum. He goes, and I look out my rearview mirror, and I realize I left my drive shaft in the middle of the street. I just started crying. I'm like, oh, my God. That's crazy. Oh, my God. He's got some stories. I just, I, he goes, man, I feel so embarrassed. <laughs> That's funny. That's what you get for showing off. And trying to floss and show flow in front of these chicks. I'm like, man, that's what you get. <laughs> so, but yeah, but he has these stories, man. I just, I just cry. I just cry. Just funny stuff. I'm like, oh, man, that's my dad. Love the dude. That's love my dad. But yeah, so he, so that's my dad. Okay. So that, that's one story. So you get on my dad. You got his personal life. That's not his God life. That's the man, you know, for what he was. And he asking me now, dude, you need to get a car. 
get the transmission, and then I'm not doing it. And I'm like, man, so that means I got to pay somebody else to do it. So this Gratney character, I knew him, a very close friend of family, knew his children. And he said, look, I'll only charge you 50 bucks. I'm like, what? So we find this ad, and we go look at this car, right? And this is crazy in itself. So we meet this guy at 7-Eleven. This is in San Diego off of El Cajon Boulevard somewhere. So we meet at 7-Eleven in the La Mesa area. And and I'm not going to lie. So for your, for, uh, for those of you that are listening, I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm, I just want to be honest with you. I'm just going to be straight up. Here was my reaction when I pulled up. And I wasn't driving because I was riding with my dad. Cause now I don't have a car because mine's broke. Mine's stuck like Chuck without a buck sitting on some ramps and some jack stands at the house. So I'm just like helpless. So as I'm riding and pull up, my father goes, oh, there it is right there. I think you don't like this one. I pull up. It's this Dodge Cornet. It's green, just like my duster. The thing is about as long as a Boeing 747 jet. It's got four doors, and I swear, if I'm lying, I'm flying. It's got a dent on all four doors. And I'm not talking about a small dent. I'm talking about a dent like people took like four bowling balls at each door and decided to throw it at the door. And I'm thinking myself, I'm not going to lie, here's my response. What the hell was my dad thinking? Like, not that I said it. Not I didn't say this now, people. I didn't say this. This is what I was thinking. See, in this day and time, some people say what they thinking to their parents. But my day and time, you thought it, but you made sure your mouth didn't say it and your eyes didn't display it. You kept it to yourself and you just tried to bless the Lord. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because you didn't want to wake up tomorrow. <laughs> was saying the wrong thing. I was like, what the hell? My dad thinking this is crazy. And I mean, I was like, oh my God. So, make a long story short. I pick up this Dodge Cornet. I pick it up. I pick it up. We drive it home. Yes, it had a 318 in it. The interior had a bench seat that went across the front it was all ripped up oh my god it was terrible the back seat was a bench bench seat and i mean i'm telling you you probably could have put six people six adults across the back seat and four adults across the front seat and that's without lapping you know see back in the day we didn't care how we went places we would sit on people's lap to get wherever we didn't care, especially when you have a car. Didn't have a car. If you had one dude with a car or one chick with a car, you just got in. You got in where you fit in, and we were happy to be there. We didn't care what the car was, but let me tell you, in the nineties, having this car, oh my god! So I drove it home, parked in front of the house, and then the rainy season came, and there was no way. We were going to be able to do the transmission swap. It's just no way. It just couldn't happen. 
So this car sat in the front yard for a while. Meanwhile, I'm asking everybody and their mama every time I need to go somewhere, or need to go to work, get picked up or whatever, because I didn't want to be seen in four dents. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is ridiculous. This green bus with four, with four huge doors with dents in every door. So, and I was in my last year of high school. Uh, actually, no, no matter of fact, this was, uh, this had to be about 88, 89. So it was my, my last, last year of high school and uh, my senior year and when I had this Dodge Cornet. And it was sit, it was sit. So I would walk to, walk up the street. See, this is during the day you were bust in. It was free. Um, I know it's different now, but yeah, it was free. So you walk to the bus stop, you know, as long as you had your bus pass, you know, you got on the big yellow cheese mobile. You know, the the San Diego School Unified, Unified School District or Goodalls or or Laidlaw and you bust in. And some of you were listening, some of you used to be, you know, school bus drivers, so you understand what I'm talking about. And you got on the bus and boom, you went to school. And then you took the bus back home, then walked home to, you know, wherever that location is. So but this particular day, <clears throat> it was raining. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I got out a little late. And I knew halfway in between my walk between the house and getting to the bus stop that your boy wasn't going to make it. There was no way I was going to make it. So in my family, you <laughs> know, I keep saying your boy in my family, boy. So you guys going to get used to finding out about my family. It's going to be funny. So, you know, my family probably ain't going to like it. You know, it's what it is, right? But check this out. So in my family, it was like uh, you went to, you went on time to go to the bus. Because the last thing you want to do is come home and go, um, I miss my bus. Could you get me right? Oh, that was a bad deal. It was like, you know, especially if they weren't up yet, which most of the time they weren't because you had to leave so early in the morning. Waking them up out of their sleep where they had to put on some clothes, walk out the house, drive you across town to go to school, drive back, and then them do whatever they're supposed to do for that day. Mm. Oh, yeah. You were asking for um, if you didn't get hit. Um, what was worse than sometime uh, getting hit was listening to the conversation from the time you walked out the door, got in the car and drove one way for 25 minutes to get to your school destination. You never heard the end of it. And man, so I was like, man, I so I'm walking back, and I just figured, I said, there's no way I'm going to make it. I'm going to ask him to uh, uh, take me to school, man. I'm going to man, if I ask my dad, it ain't going to be good. If I ask my mom, that's going to be just bad, because she don't say, Psh, you better ask your daddy. Leave me alone. Go back to sleep. And I'm like, this is not going to be good. Because, you know, my mom talks a lot more. You know, my dad is the talker of the family, but when my mom is upset, um, just to give you an idea of my dad, I see my dad, if you got in trouble, you know, if you're, you're again, let's go into the spanking, you know, thing. I know it's not, that's taboo now, you know, which is why we're paying some more, more, more people in prison. But anyway, I know it's taboo now, but you know, spanking back in that day, my dad, when he, when he had to spank you, his thing was, I'll tell you what, if you have an explanation, 
you can tell me after the spanking's over if it's very important to you. I'm going to spank you now, and then we'll talk about it. So by the time the spanking was over with, you ain't got nothing to say because, I mean, your goal was to try to talk yourself out of the spanking. My father wasn't going for it. He just, this is what the Lord put me here to do, and you're going to take this, and then if it's important to you, we can talk about it after the fact. My thing is, after it's over, it don't even matter anymore, right? Mom, on the other hand, you can sit in there for an hour and a half talking about the spanking you about to get. And she still gave it to you and then talk in the middle of spanking you. She be hitting you tomorrow. Didn't I tell you to not to, but you just going to keep on and you just going to keep on. I mean, we're talking between every lick. And then she take a break and then start part two <laughs> so that's my family okay so uh there was like there's no way i knew when you know this was kind of i'm not gonna say beyond the spanking years but my father was thing was you know when you were too old to get spanking you were never too old to get knocked out so uh yeah that's ingrained in my brain so i get there and i go man okay so i'm not gonna ask him so i say you know what and i looked and i see the green four-door dented vehicle sitting out there and I was like I don't want to be seen in this car I hate it <laughs> that's how I felt I do not want to be seen in this car I hate it this is embarrassing so I said but you know what nobody even know I'm even in it you know because I'm gonna miss the bus anyway so by the time I leave the bus is already gone nobody won't see me right so, but in my neighborhood, we're, we're, we're really close-knit. I mean, we, I mean, a lot of our friends, we all went to the same school, rode the same bus, blah, blah, blah. So I decided to pull out my keys and walk up to the big bus, start it up, and I leave. I pull around, make a U-turn, go back up the street and head out. So I'm coming up on the area where I normally catch the bus. And when you know it, the day I decide to drive the car I just hate to be seen in, the bus was late. And you've got like 30 people standing on the corner that I actually have to stop at the stop sign for that see me in this vehicle. Oh, my God. It sucked. It was bad. And, um. You know, and I had my little, you know, at the time, I think there was like a little tiny little cassette player. You know, I know. And some of us remember cassette players and eight tracks and CD players. Reel to reel. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I had my little cassette player in there, but it really didn't do anything. It, it, was, it was janky. It was, it was, again, I didn't put it in there. It's what came with the car. I mean, you know, it wasn't even a Radio Shack, realistic. You know, remember the realistic brand Radio Shack? It wasn't even one of those. It was just, this one just sucked. It was just janky. So, I had kind of had the wheels kind of cracked because the defogger didn't work and the windows were already fogging up. <laughs> I told you this, it was a shady setup. It was shady. And it just so happened that uh, a friend of mine, it was a, it was a girl, her name was Monique, and we're still we're still cool to this day. A girl named Monique. Uh, her last name goes by the name of Nelson. Then she's married now, kids, all that. But she was like 
that dude best friend chick that I mean it was like rider who who was regardless of what you were driving what you were in not in she was like if she liked you and you guys were cool she was with you 100 percent and then because she had just got this like this mercury comet <laughs> so we were both we both had booed out vehicles and, you know and i had another friend of mine named james Mitchell. yeah he had a duster too you know but yeah we, we was like the booed out triplets right <laughs> but yeah so she so she was at the bus stop she was like hey I, I, give me a ride so i was like yeah come on you know so she so she runs to the thing right and uh and everybody else is just like, brat. I mean, just like, just you know, bagging on me big time. You know, bagging is like clowning. You know, really, really clowning me. It was like, well, look at this dude in this bucket. This is worse than your other bucket. You know, it was, it was bad. They say I get, we finally get to school, and that's what that was. But eventually, we had to take that transmission out of that car over time, and put it into the duster, until of course, it didn't work anymore. So I was stranded once again, meaning stranded. It wasn't like left on the side of the street or freeway or nothing. But it's just like, you know, when you don't have your own car anymore for the, when you're used to leaving when you want to leave and you're used to going when you want to go, you're leaving work and you, you're ready to go. You're not waiting for somebody to pick you up. I hate relying on people. I just hate it because I found that many people are just so untrustworthy. Come get me at 7. Oh, I got to be at 7. They don't show up till 8.45. Oh, I need to be at work at uh, 3 o'clock. They show up at 2.45. I mean, it's like, come on. You know, and I'm not that dude. For me to be five minutes early is just being on time. That's just that's just me. And if, you, if your shift starts at 2 o'clock and you show up at work at 2 o'clock, in my mind, you're late. Because that's just, you know, usually for me, I'm, I'm always a 45 minute to an hour person in advance. That's just what that is. I like to make sure things are prepped and ready. So relying on somebody to pick me up, to take me, to drop me off. Oh man, it sucked. Because let's just say if you're going into an event, you got to ride with somebody to get there, but then you're ready to leave, but you can't leave because now you're, re- re- <sighs> it's garbage, garbage. All right. So my dad, you know, he would be late to pick me up. I remember one time I got off. I Because every day I would always get off between. Actually, not between. I would always get off at 3.30 at this time. when I was working for this printing company. And he would pick me up. And, you know, because, <laughs> again, I'm like car homeless. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And one time I was out front in front of my job for an hour and a half waiting. If you're out there, you know that. This was before cell phones. There were no cell phones. When you called a number, you may have got an answering machine if they had an answering machine at home. And if they weren't home, you weren't getting a call back till they got home. So if you're waiting for somebody and they went home first and then they called you, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just getting home. Wait, why are you at home? Because you're supposed to come straight here to pick me up. You know, so you had to be a man or woman about your word. That's just what that is. You say you're going to be there at what time you needed to be there. That's just how the world was then. And it was an hour and some minutes late to pick me up. And I finally said, I had enough. I had enough. 
So in comes the time when I'm like, I need a drink. We'll be right back after this commercial commercial break. Hello, are you into makeup for the ladies that are listening? I don't know this is more so geared toward a man and the men that you love, ladies. But if you are into makeup, direction, and or tutorials, check out this um, YouTube channel called Artistic uh, Complexions. Artistic Complexions. I mean, if you want to check out some good makeup tutorials, Check that site out. I think that young lady will do you well. Again, Artistic Complexions on YouTube. Enjoy. If you happen to be a tech head, a drone person, or into reviews, check out the show reviews. It is D-E-S-H-O dot reviews on YouTube. Check that channel out and see what they have to offer. Again, techie, drones, flashlights, whatever it is that you want reviews on, check out deshow.reviews, D-E-S-H-O dot reviews on YouTube. Now back to our content. All right, thank you and welcome back. So yeah, it was time for me to stop relying on people, especially my dad. He was pretty bad. Love him, but yeah, it's amazing. He's on time for all his stuff, but yeah, bad deal. So check this out. So I had to, you know, decide to do something for myself. So um, I wanted a car. But I was like, I don't want to go to the thrifty section looking for a $500 car anymore. I've got the money saved up. I want something else. So this is during the time, If for those of you that remember, remember the uh, the turquoise blue that was very popular right around, uh, I would say about 1990, 1991. It was like a turquoise blue color. It's a very popular color. Well, they came out. Uh, uh, like on a Dodge Colt, I think it was very popular. It was like a Colt hatchback had that. Uh, well, Civic, Honda Civic back in those days, uh, their hatchback as well as their sedan had launched that color as well, you know, in their own version. And I was thinking to myself, I think based upon the money that I have, I can probably get a Honda Civic in that color. But the only way to get that, of course, you have to buy brand new, which means I'd have to finance or something like that. So knowing that, I kind of had talked to my mom about that. And she was like, well, you now you don't want to take your daddy. What I would suggest is you would reach out to your uncle because your uncle knows a whole lot more. He knows about finance and interest rate. He knows that he's got the gift of gab. He knows how to discuss this, that, and the other. So needless to say, I reached out to him. I said, hey, hey, Uncle, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, a car. I was wondering if you help me look for one or get one. He asked me what I was looking for, da-da-da-da-da. So we ended, ended up at this Honda place that is no longer there. I think then it was called Mike Smith Honda, something like that, uh, off uh, 
off uh, I want to say Alcone Boulevard. Yeah, right off Alcone Boulevard. So we get there, and uh, it's the first time I really start learning something. Watching my uncle, I mean, really reel these people in, right? He just pretty much went into everything that the pricing, the strategy, the this, that, and the other. What I was going to put down on the car. I mean, he was trying to negotiate a payment. But what I wanted, I didn't want the base one. I wanted the SI model. The Honda Civic SI. You know, again, <laughs> for my time, I mean, it was, I just thought that would just be the coolest thing. I was like, I think your pricing would be better suited just getting the DX, you know, the basic one. I'm like, no, I want the SI because I want the faster motor. Again, I came from a, a, a 318 V8, you know, heavy car, but still had a 318. So I'm looking for some type of power, but sometimes something, something nice or some gas mileage. So uncle's trying to talk me into a DX. I didn't want a DX. You know, he kept just selling the guys. But neither say, the deal didn't work out. <coughs> and then I got a phone call about a week later from uh, a family member who said, hey, I have a car I'm trying to get rid of. Would you be interested? I'm like, what? Oh, he's like, yeah, let me come check it out. I said, all right. So I went over to his house and um, get there. He had it outside. He said, you know, it's just an extra car right now. I have X amount of cars and I don't need this one. He goes, I'm willing to let it go for X amount. And you can just make monthly payments to me. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, if you just give me x amount now you can take it and just make monthly payments so what i ended up with was a z <laughs> so i went from a honda civic thinking i wanted that and i ended with a z and this is during this is not like the two uh the uh the 280zx or the 300zx this goes back to the original z days you know the original z is a 240 Basically from 1969 to 1974, and then from 74-ish late to about 76, 75-ish, they made the 260. So need to say, that's what I had, a 260. So it was a cross between the, the old, two f the previous year 240, and then the uh, right before the fuel injected 280 of 1970. Uh, Five seventy-six ish years before they went, you know. So had the L twenty-six block. However, um, mine had the L twenty-eight. So I had the L twenty-eight, the engine out of the two eighty. It had dual Weber downdraft carburetors, uh, air cleaners, and all these different things. So over time, that thing went through so many different. Uh, metamorphosis it was crazy from rims to different paint jobs to different things and it became a very popular known car as I ended up being a part of car clubs and blah 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 but there came a point in my life where um, it went from because when I bought it it was like a British green and then um, it had some cancer near the rear panel I was trying to do some body work on it myself. You know, again, you know, you start doing some learning. It's way before YouTube, knowing how to do stuff. 
and I started doing my own body work and it didn't turn out the greatest. So I ended up spray painting the whole bottom half of the car like a gray, primer gray, the bottom half, like right below the door panel, the, the doors from the front to the back. And then later on, I painted it black. You know, just kind of make it look a little better, you know, British green and black, you know, so I thought that was kind of cool. And then later it went from that to a friend of mine talking to, talking to me, saying, you know, uh, you should get your car painted. I said, I don't have money for that. Said, he goes, I can take it to the shop and it's going to charge you. Da, 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 da. So I did. I allowed him to take my car and it was gone for about a week. And they're painting it sky blue, sky blue. And uh, and by the time it came back from the shop, I already had some new rims waiting on it. So between, but uh, between the the green and the sky blue, the green, I ended up taking the rakings that it had. You know, many of you, for those of you, you men that know cars, you know, there was the Inkies. Remember the original Inkies? Um, I had some silver ones, but mine were by a knockoff company of that made it look like Inky, but this company was called Raken, very popular company. But they mimicked a lot of Inky stuff. It was Raken, so mine's were silver, that's that silver mesh. So um, I ended up getting rid of those, and I ended up trading up to get these. They were called hammers. They were very popular, a five-star hammer wheel. Deep dish, completely polished, low-profile tires. And I put them on my car. And I had had them for two days. And I'm driving down near Lincoln High School in San Diego area. And uh, there's this Coca-Cola truck next to me in the next lane. You know, he's going straight. And I come up to signal light because I'm actually going to make it right. So I come between this large Coca-Cola truck. Now, this is the one of the ones that actually had the... uh, the bay doors on the sides, you know, because you had to put, you know, your pallets in with all your drinks and cans and uh, on the bay side, so loaded up on the side door. So you had probably about seven or six bay doors on one side and about the same amount on the other side of this back of this trailer of the Coca-Cola truck. So I got my blinkers on, but I couldn't see around them, you know, to see if there's cars coming before I made that right turn. So I said, well, I'm just going to wait till it turn green and again. I'm in this car. I think I'm looking good. I just had the windows tinted. Oh man, I just had the, got the rims on. I just cleaned the car. Light turns green, and I'm getting to get ready to turn. But the truck kind of pulls out before, um, before I move. So I kind of wait. So I'm thinking to myself, what is he? Then all of a sudden, he starts turning right not going straight he starts turning right and it was then that i realized he stayed the way he was so he could swing around so that way his trailer doesn't go up on the curb and guess who's between his trailer and the curb my z and me he gets ready to pull and i'm like he's turning he's turning. oh my god so there's nobody behind me so i kind of put it in reverse just enough but his trailer hits the front of my car and pushes me kind of up against the curb and puts, and, uh, you know, I back out just enough, you know, it didn't really 
didn't damage the car. I mean, again, these are real good bumpers. So his trailer hits the car, which is my bumper. You know, these are metal, metal, metal bumpers. And just kind of moved the bumper to the right a little bit. But it caused my car to go to the right and hit the curb. And so I kind of backed up, waiting for the the, um, the truck to the Coca-Cola truck to proceed, make his turn, and and then I finally turned. I'm thinking to myself, you know, ain't this about a blip? That is not what I said, but that's what I'm going to use on this station. But that's what I that's what I was thinking. Um, but that's what we're going, you know, that yeah. So I move forward, and I just tried to play it off a little bit because I didn't want to look like you know on the streets, you know. Uh, you think you're looking cute, but you just got your car jacked up. You know what I'm saying? So I, I rolled for a little while, <clears throat> found a nondescript area, and I pulled over and looked. And here's this uh, curb mark, uh, leaving like a concrete white mark in a big, huge area on my rims and caused it to have some serious curb rash where even some of the rim was like chipped out. I was like, oh, my God. That sucked. I'm like, oh, my God. That was my first curb experience. And that experience was because I was unlearned. I, uh, again, I didn't know any better about the whole semi thing. You know, I wasn't a new driver. But when you're focused on trying to look good sometimes you don't focus on the dangers of what could be around you when you're trying to look good right this is my first curb experience in that area so then when I painted it blue as I stated earlier I went from green to blue it brought it home and that thing went immediately on jack stands the hammer wheels came off and in went in some Dayton wires. Oh, actually, no, they weren't Dayton wires yet. These were, these were the crown wires. They were like a knockoff of not necessarily true spoke, but McLean's, but to the second power. But when they spun, it looked just like these, you know, Dana's for some people. So I had this brand new set of rims and tires waiting by the time they came home. So but what I did was I had to clean the underbelly of the car and remove all the overspray, respray, respray some of the stuff black, make it real nice and da-da-da, so you get rid of the overspray and put it on rims and then, wasn't too long, about a month or two later had a guy from the neighborhood who was known for airbrushing and he painted a black ribbon down the side and black airbrush down the side of the car and then put a f nice clear coat on it, I mean, it it was nice. So the rims were a chrome spoke at the time. And then later, I had the spoke done, just the spoke, not the nipples, but the spoke done in blue. So it was like sky blue on sky blue spokes with chrome lips, chrome nipples. And then the, the, uh, the knockoff was chrome with the blue Eagle logo matching the rims and the paint in the middle. So when that puppy spun, it just looked beautiful. Then it had blue LED lighting. It was cool, you know, right? You know, again, we're talking about 90s, right? You know, for some people, you're like, oh, yeah, that's all right. Kind of looks ghetto, you know, whatever. But guess what? That's how he did it then for his time. 
So this particular day, again, by this time I'm work, uh, I've been on night shift working graveyard for quite a long time. And uh, it was weird because I had just gotten off of work, drove home. And my pattern has always been when I was working graveyard was to get off of work, come home. But I would stay up all day, stay busy till roughly about four or five o'clock to make my body think it was waking up, that I was staying up uh, throughout the day and going to bed at night, you know. So I would um, get off of work, stay up all day till about five. I'd crash, get up by 11, be at work by 11.30. That's just what, that was how I worked. So this day I got off of work. I think it was like a Wednesday. It's just weird. And I don't know, I was just kind of going through this funk, you know, and, uh, you know, when you get off of work at, you know, 7.30 in the morning, 7, you know, 7.30 between 7 and 8 o'clock in the morning, it's just like, you know, everybody else, you know, the normal people, you know, I was actually, I thought I was normal, but, you know, the normal people that would normally go to work, they'd be at work at 7 in the morning or 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, whatever. So by the time I returned to my neck of the woods, I mean, it was pretty much a ghost town, but. It, it, the, the graveyard shift worked out great, uh, especially during your uh, holiday times. You know, because you didn't have to uh, you didn't have to fight traffic. You know, during the holidays. You know, especially when you were at graveyard, because while everybody else was at work, you could be at the mall shopping. Uh, you could, you know, every day you can go to the DMV. You could go get your car worked on, get your you know things changed, get a tune up, uh, whatever, go to court. Whatever that is, I mean, you had all day long to do it. You didn't have to fight anybody. It's not like you had to take a day off to do that. So, uh, or just stay, work on your car at home in the garage or uh, in the driveway or whatever you want to do. You had all day to do it. So I would stay up all day to do whatever. But this day, I was like, man, I'm, I don't have any projects I got going on now. I mean, I don't want to do this interior job that I really want to do. I don't want to do this. So I used to tear apart my car like. I remember one time I, t- I worked in my car all day till it was time for me to go to work. So by the time I went to work, I had been up like 26 hours. It was crazy. It was crazy. But this day, I just like, man, I just kind of, you know, sometimes you just feel not yourself and whatever. So I um, got home and I think I stayed there probably about an hour or so, about nine o'clock or so. I was like, you know, I just want to bounce and just go somewhere. I just want I don't have no destination, you know, but normally I would meet uh, some of my buddies for breakfast. Uh, my One of my buddies, was, his name was Guy, another dude was named Will, and then my best friend, which is still today, shout out to my boy Keenan Henderson, um, that's my boy, that's my road dog. But a lot of times, you know, because he worked graveyard too, he worked at Nordstrom's, I worked at Commercial Press, and, you know, we would link up for breakfast. So a lot of times we'd meet up. A lot of times, sometimes it was a, a McDonald's and we, we'd all just meet there and have breakfast because a uh, guy at the time was a bus driver, so he had already dropped his first load of kids off at school and he'd come there and have breakfast before he had to go to the next uh, bus stop to go drop the later kids off that would have to be at work at, I mean, at school like at 8, 9, whatever, 9 o'clock, whatever that is. So he'd have, you know, split time. Will was on Graveyard too. He worked at another spot, so he would meet us. So we'd have all these guys. We'd meet at McDonald's, but... This particular day, it was like nobody was really meeting up, and you know, and I was like, man, I just want to do something, you know. So, got home, changed my clothes, and I got a phone call, 
you know, from this girl, this friend of mine was kind of not necessarily dating, but just kind of seeing, you know, but she was just kind of cool people, whatever. And she was like, well, what are you doing today? I was like, I, just, I don't even know. I'm trying to find I'm just going to hop in the car, gas up, just go somewhere, just do something. And she's like, hey, you want to have a roll? I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So she came down, parked the car, whatever. By this time I was outside, getting ready to leave. And, and you know, she hopped in and we just rolled out. So we we're just kind of talking. She was just like, you know, what, you know, what's going on? What's wrong? You know, the, I don't know. I'm just kind of feeling weird. I'm just, you know, I just want to go somewhere and just kind of be at peace and maybe just drive down to the beach and just sit out there and watch the water and just kind of kick it. Because a lot of times I did a lot of that stuff alone, you know. And, uh, you know, sometimes you need a place to just kind of think over your life, right? I don't know if any of you uh, do that or have ever done that, but I found complete solace in many times just going somewhere that was peaceful with nobody around to kind of uh, think over your life. You know, one of, and one of my spots was, so for those of you that are in the San Diego area that are listening to this podcast and or know exactly where this is at, uh, my spot was Ocean Beach, uh, off of Santa Cruz, um, right before you get to Sunset Cliffs, but this Santa Cruz is the name of the street. So you go down the main drag like you're going toward Sunset Cliffs and you make it right on Santa Cruz. And you shoot that for about a half a mile, quarter mile between a quarter mile, half a mile, and it ends at a dead end. It's a, you know, it's like a fence there. So you'd have to park right there on the side of the street. But right there, there's these stairs that take you down to this nice spot. It's like secluded. Yeah, it's like a secluded little tiny beach that's, you know, not, you know, it's got rocks and all this kind of stuff. So that used to be my spot. I would just go out there, sit on the rocks, you know, sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes you would contemplate jumping in, you know. Um, but, yeah, I would just sit out there. Sometimes I would sit on the rocks. I'd sit on the stair or the walkway. There's like a um, concrete walkway, the railing that I used to sit on sometimes and, I just watch the water, you know, sometimes I pray, sometimes I ask the Lord why, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. So this day I was kind of feeling like that. I'm like, you know, I just want to go. So she's like, you know, so prior to that, you know, nobody was really rolling me to do stuff like that. I was, that was kind of my thing, you know. So I'm like, yeah, you know, cool, you know, that's cool. So we left. So as I'm, we're having a conversation and we're driving, we get on the freeway. There's a, space, there's a spot between, I was on the five. It's on the five, Gary, that transition over to the eight, like I'm going toward Ocean Beach. And I get distracted, right? So I'm on this, you know, the transition. So uh, imagine being on the freeway, you go to the right, and then you're up on the bridge, and it transitions over to the next freeway to the left, excuse me, as it curves around to the left, right? So in the meantime, between time, I'm distracted because as I'm driving on this bridge going around to my left, I'm in the far left-hand lane, but I'm looking over the railing at cars going below me on the freeway I was previously on, you know, going below me. And I'm so distracted that I look up and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm too close to the curb. And the curb, if I'm lying, I'm flying, is a minimum of 12 to 18 inches tall is the curb. This is nothing small. So for those of you that that know what I'm talking about, yeah, this curb is tall. It's like 12 to 18 inches tall. 
And after the curb is a railing and then later on a concrete wall. So there is no emergency lane. There's no carpool lane. Back in them days, there was no carpool lanes, you know, back in them days, there's nothing. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to hit this curb because I was, the, my car was veering too close from my lane to the curb. So as I get ready to try to swing right to avoid my front wheel clipping the curb, another car comes close to me in the next lane. So I try to swerve enough, but I realize if I swerve too much because the other car was kind of in my lane, that I would have hit the car on the side of me to my right. So I swerve in my mind just enough. And then all of a sudden I feel the smack. And then a crushing. And next thing you know, I am pulled on the curb and smacked up against the concrete wall. And my whole driver's side of the car is grinding on the bottom of the curb, you know, that corner. And then the side body is grinding up against the concrete wall. In a newer paint job slash ribbon paint job that had only been on the car for about 30 days. Man, and all I could do was, and I, I'm just going to tell you what I did. Because it pulled me to the side and just grinded up against, there's nowhere you can go. The whole steering wheel spun out of my hand and I had to let it go because it probably would have snapped my arms, whatever the case may be. And we were drugged up against the railing. Needless to say, by the time he came to a complete stop, it was bad. It was so bad. Um, I had gotten out the car because it actually finally stopped in an open area right past the wall. And um, I was able to get out. I had to get out through my window because the door was up against the, now this is the railing now. So we got past the concrete. It was up against the railing, but now I'm not over the other freeway. It's coming down on its own freeway. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is bad. So on one side, you see the passenger side looking all nice and toasty. Look all good, all evil, cute, all that kind of stuff. But then you look at the driver's side, you're like, what the heck? Man, look like I ran over by the semi-truck. And uh, I get out. I look at the car. I'm just like, my God, this is bad. This is bad. So the young lady that was in the car, that was, you know, she was older than I was, but she was like, you okay? Are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you you sure you're all right? I'm like, well, yeah. So she said, what you going to do is now. So I had to walk to a call box, which was probably about maybe about 500 feet. Yeah, again, no cell phones, none of that. No sat phones. Mm -mm. You know, th those days were a, uh, uh, a money, a, a call phone, you know, a pay phone, or you had the, the, the call box phone on the freeway. So, uh, the call box for and uh, down for a tow truck. So waited for the tow truck to show up, and tow truck finally came, and higher patrol came, and you know 
were you drinking? Did you have anything in the car? Da, 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 da. You don't mind if I do a sobriety check on you? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. You know, yeah, let's do it. You know, so I was cool. I wasn't, you know, I mean, they're just doing their job. I wasn't tripping about it. I was just mad because I was mad at me. Uh, I was disappointed. I was embarrassed. Um, you know, and it was bad. It's just bad. Look, I was all just kind of feeling like just kind of weird before it even happened. And, and that happened, you know, and it hurt. I'm not gonna lie. It really hurt. You know, um, you ever have somebody in your life that, you know, that are there, you know, when you're going through a tough time, a struggle, a trial, maybe money, maybe your marriage, maybe your relationship, maybe your children, might be a, even a job issue, you know, or uh, you're just feeling a little low and you, you get curbed, right? And you get curbed and you think sometimes that the people in your life that are there when you get curbed are going to be, man, you know, wow, that's not cool. You know, how can I help you? You know, what do we, what, uh, what do we need to do? I mean, how can I help you in this area? And how can I get you out of this situation? Or how can I be a blessing? Or how can I, you know, you would think that, right? So in my curb situation, dealing with this right here, the tow truck shows up. I'm looking at the devastation in my car, you know, and all the custom work I kind of put in. Because again, a lot of stuff other than the paint, I had done myself, you know, Again, I'm a young guy, you know, I'm not in my thirties, forties, you know, things I learned, you know, audio and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, you put a lot of time, love and labor into the things that you're interested in or the things that are important to you and you get curbed in those areas, you know, it, it, it stings, it stings. And tow truck is there ask me what's happened explain to him what happened and he's got to hook up the vehicle now right and the vehicle's still sitting halfway like the whole bottom of the frame per se is still sitting up on the edge of the curb that goes around because the car was lowered i even had takiko springs on it um the car was lowered so you know when you hit something like that and you're raised up you're grinding everything under there oh man that was bad dude it was bad so he hooks it up and he begins to start pulling it forward and he had to pull it forward for about 20 plus feet at least before it got off of the curb on all four wheels so that way he can pull it to the ramp on his truck and man as he grabs his he puts the chains on the front of the vehicle and starts pulling on it I had an air dam uh, spoiler thing on the front of the car, you know, uh, uh, a front splitter, if you want to call it that, but you know, and it was fiberglass though. <laughs> For you car nuts, you know exactly where I'm going with this. And I mean, he pulls and he gets ready, you know, he gets this motorized thing, he hits his lever and it starts pulling on the car. And as the car starts, and as the, uh, the chain starts tightening up, it starts raising the air down, raising the air down. I was like, snap. And I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, oh. And I just see fiberglass pieces oh, all over the place. And, I mean, it breaks the whole front air down. Pieces fly on the left-hand side of the car or on the driver's side. They fly on the passenger side, even fly on the highway. 
uh, when it snaps. And while he now, now finally he's the car is now moving and rolling forward, and all the metal underneath the car is grinding on the curb. And I'm just like, oh my god! And I still can't see the front wheel yet. I just know it snapped backwards. And he is pulling, pulling, pulling. So finally the wheel gets past the guardrail where I can see it. And the wheel is like snapped. The, uh, uh, the suspension is snapped in half and the wheel is folded complete backwards. But the rim itself is folded in half like a taco. The rim. Oh, it was bad. So then I see the side of the car. The car was grinded all on the side. All the paint was jacked up. Uh, but the rims actually saved most of the car on that side. Um, it saved a lot of the paint, but the, it was jacked. It was still messed up because the rims were, were kind of stuck out a little bit wider in the car. So the rims kind of were spinning up against the concrete wall. And the back rim was just tore up. I mean, there was no lip on the rim anymore. It was flush. Um, it looked like it had white wall tires because they were spinning up against the concrete uh, barrier. And then the person that was with me that I, I thought would say, man, you know, what do you want to do? How do we go from here? What's next? Blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, am. I'm, I'm trying to be uh, uh, correct here. So just kind of know what I'm really saying here. She's like, Oh, am. Oh my God. Your car is after. I'm like, Oh no. Like, oh man. I'm not going to lie. Folk. You know, I, I really want to punch that chick in the throat. I, I, I mean, I'm already having a man moment here. You know, I'm already going through my own issues and I'm not going to lie. I really want to punch that chick in the throat. But I didn't. You know, I was like Orange Juice Jones. I Instead, I chilled. That's right. I chilled. So, yeah. So they finally got the car in the truck and was pulling it up on the ramp. And I mean, it was a long, long ride home and again we realized this was like on a Wednesday by this time it's like 9 30 9 45 something like that in the morning almost 10 and now here it is almost 11 almost close to noon but about 11 or so and I'm heading back to my neighborhood I'm in a tow truck uh, the young lady that was with me is in the middle seat. The driver, of course, is driving. So it's just that, you know, and I'm coming through the neighborhood. And, you know, I was just, I was just like, man, this sucks, you know, whatever. No big deal. Even though I was mad, I was like hurt. I'm like, now what am I going to do? You know, my car, my ride, you know, you know, iceberg is just toe up. You know, I just don't, you know. So on my mind, on my ride, I'm trying to figure this out. But lo and behold, of all days, I mean, you would have thought today was uh, uh, Sean's coming home in a jacked up car. Everybody come to the neighborhood and stay out on the street and watch him show up. It was like the street was lying. It was like everybody decided to stay home from work that day 
and they were all on the street in the neighborhood. And as I came down in my car, you should, in my car sitting on the back, if you could see the responses of the people that knew the car and saw what it, they were like, oh my God, oh my God. So, and I'm just like, oh my God, of all days, why are people even home? Y'all should be at work. This is garbage. You ever go through a situation where you should be going through it by yourself, but it seems like everybody is in your grits. Um, everybody is watching. Everybody has input. And then not only as I'm coming home, they are backing in the, uh, to back my car into the driveway. Um, I told him, I said, yeah, put it in, you know, uh, so where the front shows and not the back, you know, just, you know, some back it in. So, so as he's putting the car in the driveway, here comes bicycles and motorcycles, uh, mopeds, uh, car, some of our car club people, some, you would have thought that there was a cell phone and everybody tweeted, you need to come to Sean's house because his, he just wrecked his car. You would have thought that somebody said that there's a funeral going on at Sean's house. That I, if I'm lying, I'm flying. There had to be about 45, 50 people in front of uh, my house looking at my car as it's being backed into the driveway. And everybody's got something to say. I'm talking about, I was, a, I was like, what the heck? I'm not going to lie, I was embarrassed. I was trying to be cool. You know how we do. You know, men. You know I'm talking to you. You you know I'm talking to you. You know how we do. We're hurt. We're embarrassed. Uh, we're feeling all kind. Of, we all in our feelings. But our boys come over. Oh man, you just you t- do that Barry White thing. Oh man, no, you know we good. You know everything's good. You know we put on a good front inside. We're crying and screaming like a little woman. But, you know, in front of our boys, oh, no, nah, man, don't worry about it. Man, I have this fix and nothing problem. Man, this ain't no thing about a chicken wing. You know what I'm saying? Man, I ain't going to lie. I was doing all that publicly, but privately, I'm screaming like a girl. I'm crying like a, a little girl with pigtails and barrettes. And that's what I was dealing with inwardly. But outwardly, I was putting on this front because I just got curbed. And in life, you're just going to you're going to go through these curbed situations. Life has a way of throwing curved balls. And you end up curved, you end up sidelined, you end up sitting on the bench while the game is still going on. You end up sometimes unemployed while everybody else is getting jobs. You end up sometimes losing a loved one when somebody else is giving birth. You end up sometimes wanting to be an entrepreneur and your business is struggling while everybody else is flourishing. And you're trying to understand. I'm here to let you know life happens. We're going to go through times in our lives where we're going to get curved, where we're going to get thrown curveballs, where we're going to get uh, thrown all kind of different things. But it's not in the curb situation that counts. It's your response to the curb situation that counts. So you are curbed. So you are on the sign lines. So you're not working. So you did lose that loved one. So you are hurting. So that loved one did leave you. So your divorce, uh, your marriage is now a divorce. Or you finally found somebody. It's, it's the response. What are you going to do in your response, gentlemen? 
man, yes, I'm talking to you. What do you do with your response? That is what matters. I was screaming like a girl. I'm not going to lie to you. I was screaming like a little girl on the inside. Publicly, I'm cool. And many of us scream on the inside. But we're cool in public. And I'd be lying to you if I told you that it was a couple days and boom, no problem. Put pedal to the metal and got it fixed. Nope. Inwardly, I screamed for 30 days. And the reason why I say 30 days, because it sat on blocks, on jack stands, in my parents' driveway for a month. Because... Um, honestly, I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to deal with my situation. I didn't want to deal with my loss. I didn't want to deal with my hurt. I was fine with finally just keep walking through the driveway and seeing it sitting there. But me touching it, because if I, if I decide to go and touch on it and work on it, then and only then when I realize how bad it really is. By the time I start taking pieces off of it, only then I understand what the damage has really caused. What my lack of focus really caused. What my lack of concern really caused. What my distraction really caused. And life, or we sometimes cause our life to give us curves because we're distracted, we're confused, we're not focused. Or we're focused on the wrong things instead of the right things. And it was about 30 days from a month. And I finally said, you know, enough's enough. I'm tired of relying on others. So not only did I have to, not only did my curb, not only my sideline, I've been relying for 30 days on others to get me where I need to go. So now I'm hurt in one way because I caused it. But now I'm mad because I have to rely on others and they're not, they're, they're, uh, how should I say, they're not accountable. I can't rely on them. So I've caused problems twice. So in 30 days, I, about a month, I said enough's enough. Let me at least fix one problem. One problem was relying on others. And the only way I could fix that problem was for me to focus on what I damaged. So I went into repair mode. But in order to go in repair mode, I had to take off and inspect and look at all the damage what was salvageable and what had to be completely replaced. Whatever you are going through right now, there are some things that are going to be salvageable and there are going to be some things that have to be replaced. Curb lives happen. It's going to happen. It's just what it is. But where do you go in this curb life? What do you do? Uh, how do you respond to it? Do you allow the curve to keep you com- uh, completely set back? Or do you use it as experience, as a testimony, as a stepping stone to either help somebody else or to propel you for where you're going? Because in each curb, it can either be a propulsion or being sidelined. And I'd hate to think for you to be sidelined 
and lose 30 days, 40 days, three months, a year, five years, only to think about, you know what, if I would have done this long time ago, I would have healed faster and I would have been further along. The curb experience happens to all of us. Question is, what are you going to do about it? What's your reaction and where are you going? This is I'm Dealing With. Stay tuned for our next upcoming podcast. Continued listening support is very important to us. Thank you for listening. Until the next time, I'm Sean, your host at I'm Dealing With.